Hi guys, welcome to the latest episode of Pull the Pin with me, Alan Barrett. I'm co-founder and CEO of Grenade. And today's episode is all about the life athlete. What does that mean here, you ask? Well, let's find out. And today we've got the ultimate life athlete with us, purveyor of the world's finest beard. It's only <laughs> Sean Conway. Welcome, Sean. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, very good. The it's imaginations run wild. <laughs> I'm not quite sure I've grown up yet. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. The irony of the whole thing here is that I'm a radio DJ and I have a business degree. <laughs> so, so, like every shop in the local area is trying to sue me for loss of footfall for like uh, 15 grand each. Yeah. Go bankrupt in style. It was amazing because it's just so different from anywhere else I've travelled. I uh, apologise to the fans, you'd not like to get a sensible answer from either of us. <laughs> Tell us your name and where you come from. It's like a terrible game show, isn't it, really? <laughs> My name is Sean Conway. Um, <laughs> and I come from. Um, I was born in Zimbabwe uh, it, to a game ranger dad who used to live in the bush and we used to. Basically, try lived and in a bush. say in a bush. I mean, you, the you, bush. No, just the no, a bush. Uh, a bush. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you bush love, like, when, when we yeah. grew up, we just we lived in sort of tarpaulin tents for a bit, and then you know it's Africa style, it's ranger style. Sounds horrific. You know? It was amazing. <laughs> um, so I had a pretty adventurous upbringing, and then went to school. And long story short, I got into photography um, with the dream of being this like global travel photographer. I remember mm -hmm. having pictures of National Geographic all over my bedroom wall. And I just dreamt that by the time I was 30, because that's really old when you're 15, <laughs> you know, I was going to be in the jungles of Peru, right? Uh, instead, I landed up uh, working in London as a school portrait photographer. Um, oh, that must have been disappointing. Is, uh at the beginning, it was exciting because, you know, you, you're starting a business and you're earning money. All of a sudden, people are paying you for your being self-employed, and that was all quite exciting. And then the reality set in of photographing 10,000 crying babies every single year. <laughs> and we were actually based, one of our branches were in, was in Birmingham. So I used to do from London up the M1 to Birmingham three times a week to photograph 100 and That does sound babies. horrific. The, M the M1 <laughs> is the worst motorway in the world. Uh, that yeah. does sound horrific. And then so uh, now you're global adventurer, world record holder, obviously a member of Team Grenade, which has got to be a, I don't want to put words yep, in your mouth, that's obviously the highlight. The highlights, so yes. If we, if we make a start with, uh, with the, the life athlete, as we've said. So um, for us, now at Grenade, we're all about opening up the brand to kind of, to, to everyone. Now, obviously we do lots of stuff with military and special forces and people that train really hard and Olympic athletes and people like yourself that do ultra running and uh, global adventuring and stuff but f for us we want to make the brand accessible to all there are lots of people out there who you know they don't have time to go to the gym but doing just making an effort something with training and diet is really important to them so we came up with this concept of the life athlete now probably about 18 months ago and it's very much been sort of an internal communication but now we're starting to really communicate this to the outside world and, you know, what, what does the life athlete mean to you? Because for me, I think you're like the epitome of the life athlete. You, you know, no one kind of grabs life by the balls as much as you do. Can we say that? We can say by the balls. We can <laughs> yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, for me, I, I sort of, when I quit the photography game, I just wanted to do something that pushed myself physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to aim for the top. You know, there was no point in just settling for the easy road and, and for me, that was just to do super ultra endurance things. Uh, and I started off with cycling, got into swimming, then got into running, back into cycling. So I mixed between swimming, cycling and running. And just my whole existence on this planet is to be 
the best ultra endurance athlete I can in the world of adventure. So some people call me adventurer, but I think I'm probably more of a an endurance athlete type thing. Okay. But it's my life. That's what I do. Like day in, day out. I live it. I breathe it. Whatever. Just every decision I make it involves me being the best physical human being I can in order to achieve these stupid, ridiculous goals that I try and set myself. Okay, wow. I feel really insecure now. I feel because <laughs> you, you do all this amazing stuff. So uh, it, it, it does it does get you thinking. And then uh, taking us back then, so when you were growing up in South Africa, you know, in, in your, your bush, um, and, you know, what, what was life like back then, you know? Was there something that you think probably... Was was triggering you? I mean, just, you, you've obviously had a lot of inspiration from where you grew up and your, your your family around you, and I guess in a fairly unconventional set of circumstances. But is, is, was all that just inherently in the DNA? Do you think it was your family that started this, or was it where you grew up, or you know, how do you think this got started? Growing up in Africa, I think definitely had an influence on what I do now, and it probably gave me a little bit of the confidence. You know, when you're running around the bush barefooted and you're sure. falling out trees, you know, you as soon as you and there's alligators chasing you. <laughs> and there's alligators. Yeah. You laugh. I mean, one, once we had a hyena in our house and my mum shouted at me for tearing all the cushions off the sofa. <laughs> so, you know, obviously that influenced what I do now. I just, there was the bit in my 20s where I, I probably didn't realise how important it was mm -hmm. to live a, a life where you push yourself, where you try things that you don't know whether they're going to work. You know, mm -hmm. you need certainty in life. You need to be certain that you can eat. Yep. And a lion's not going to eat you and you're not going to starve to death. That's my biggest yeah. fear in Stratford-upon-Avon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sometimes um, being attacked by a lion. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you also need uncertainty in life. Like, if you're yeah. certain about everything, what's the point? I was certain about photographing 10,000 kids a year and each kid was worth X amount of money to me yeah. because parents were buying You weren't selling pictures. them, were you? Yeah, we were that's, selling the pictures. You know. Oh, right, not the children. Yeah, yeah, that's, the children. yeah that's frowned upon. That's <laughs> yeah, frowned yeah, yeah. upon. How yeah, times no, have changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to sell children anymore. Um, so, um, and, and, yeah. and I, I think it's what you're saying, and, and I relate to this in the sense that you need you need the fear, don't you, I think? A lot of people don't like the fear, but actually I think you should embrace the fear. You're probably brilliant by the sound of it, embracing fear. So you, would you say that you always do what scares you? Yes. I mean, I don't actively go and look for something that scares me to do mm. it. But if if the thing you want to do doesn't have anything in it that is scary, whether it's achievement, physical ability, actual danger, yeah, yeah. Um, then sometimes then you kind of think, well, if I know I can do it, then kind of why do it? You know, like yeah, I think that fear certainly fuels your fire, and it kind of makes you get up in the morning, it makes you like bring on your A game, you know? And, sure. No, and no, I, that I, life that bringing on your A game life is so much more rewarding. Then knowing you can do it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I, I completely uh, I relate to that as well. Um, I think you know when we were when we were sort of starting um, our business and Jules and I we had a separate business actually prior to, to Grenade, and it all kind of got quite easy. And because it got quite easy, we sort of fell out of love with it. Mm. And I think as soon as we started Grenade again, we're completely out of our comfort zone, and we had to go and relearn everything again. I think it just brings that excitement with it that yeah. probably stops life getting dull yeah. because. You know, life can be quite dull if you just kind of yeah, do the, you know, the day-to-day the the, the day stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it can actually be, you know, as difficult, I guess, uh, as we make it. And then, you know, with regard to the life athlete, I think for us, you know, we want to embrace people that just go out and do something that's probably hard for them. Um, so, and I think, you know, when when we first started working a lot, say, with, uh, with, the, with the British military, 
there were lots of people at the time who were making supplements, for instance, for just professional sport, sports people and rugby players and, and footballers and stuff. And, and I started looking at the military as a whole different demographic because I'd got friends in, in the military, particularly the special forces at the time. And some of the stuff that they were doing and they were telling me they were doing, it was like, wow, this is like, this is amazing. And, and these are the things they can't ever, you know, tell people about. Yeah. I, I had a friend of mine, like he was, uh, he was thrown out of an aeroplane in 2001 uh, in a country that we won't talk about to go and fight some people that we won't talk about. But they actually ended up being dropped 52 miles away from where they should have been. And they had to do a double marathon overnight through quite bad terrain, wow. carrying, carrying all, all their stuff, stuff, carrying all yeah. the gear, get to the end, 24 hour firefight. Thought that's quite hard, yeah. <laughs> to, well, <laughs> you know, to, to be to be honest. So I think you know we've uh, you know and and they're and that's just their job. So that actually, a lot of these military guys are, are, are live athletes. Mm-hmm. So that actually, how we can really expand that out into the into the wider world. And I think now there are lots and lots of people who are doing stuff that's probably quite hard for them. Obviously, your stuff's quite extreme, probably very <laughs> extreme. Um, but and 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 you've you've broken world records as well. So tell us about tell us about your world records. Yeah. So. From early on, I had this big idea, this big crazy goal of can I get a world record in the three F's of endurance, a world's first, a world's furthest, and a world's fastest. So the first thing I tried was a round-the-world cycling world record as a world's fastest. Uh, Trained really hard for that, was doing nearly 200 miles a day on the bike, settled from Greenwich, went down to South America, and unfortunately on my American leg, I got run over by a chap on his phone at 5 a.m., Actually, um, run over my phone. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He was surfing his phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it wasn't Dom Jolly, yeah, was it? Exactly. A giant. It was got a giant <laughs> phone. Um, no, just a gentleman was speeding, and I suffered whiplash, concussion. I, I don't actually remember anything. Which and you were saying earlier you, so. you broke your back. Yeah, so I fractured uh, compression fracture on T11 in my spine, uh, torn ligaments, and yeah, I mean I was a mess. Um, but I don't remember anything. I went to bed the night before and I woke up in hospital the following day. So I'd got up, I'd cycled for a few hours, I'd been run over. Okay. Um, so that ended the world record attempt, but I carried on to raise money for charity. As you do. Yeah, well, you've got to, you know, you don't get many chances to cycle around the world no, twice. No, 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 of course. <laughs> so, you know, I carried on with neck brace and painkillers and, and that sort of thing. There were people <laughs> listening to this, I have to say, that actually really dislike cyclists. <laughs> and and what you're probably saying about cycling around the world annoying motorists, <laughs> yeah. it's probably, we'll, we'll get lots of hate mail. So yeah. we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll put at the end of the podcast, we'll put where you live. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they, they can abuse you Australia, forever. I live in Australia, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he, lives, he lives in a bush in, uh, in South Africa. It's fine. Um, so I got back from that and I then was looking for something else while trying to get employment. You know, I needed to put food on my table. And mm-hmm. I was li- living with my mum in Cheltenham in a one bedroom flat on the sofa. Um, eventually came up with this idea of swimming the length of Britain. Uh, thinking she came up with that. <laughs> no, no, yeah. So she's trying to get rid of you. <laughs> yeah. She was basically, well, she I think she was saying, you should swim, do this. Swim Britain. Yeah, swim yeah, Britain. Yeah. Fine. Well, it's fine. What could or possibly about, go why wrong? Why don't you just walk to Mongolia? It'll only take you seven years. Yeah, she's uh, definitely trying to get rid of you. I don't blame her, you know, having a 32-year-old <laughs> son living on your sofa. Um, and I I thought I thought it had been done because bigger swims have been done in history. Yeah. Um, so I went online. I thought, right, okay, fastest person to swim, swim the length of Britain Blah, 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 does it in seven days. I'm like, what? It's 900 miles. How can you swim 120 miles a day? That doesn't like, look a long way. That's like, that's impossible. And I was like, right. Anyway, I did some more research. <laughs> and it turns out this chap had put a swimming pool on the back of a van and did lengths as they drove it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Cheating. But Crafty. technically he's Crafty. done it. Crafty. Crafty, yeah. Um, so it went, became a world's first. Okay. Which in 2013, that everyone just thought it was a waste of time. I was getting long emails. I 
people thought I was going to die, you know, it was, and, you know, people, nowadays people just sort of send you those messages on 140 characters, but back then it was like long emails, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was fuel for, fuel for the fire and I, I, nothing suggested it wasn't possible. So, you know, that was four and a half months of swimming, got Land's End, John O'Groats, and that was the first of the three Fs. Okay. So I got that first. Uh, now I wanted to go for a furthest. So I decided to do a the world's longest triathlon, mm-hmm. which I did in 2016. That was a 4,200-mile triathlon around the coast of Britain as well. Oh, I've been telling people um, that was 4,200 kilometers. It's actually yeah. 4,200 miles. miles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, six, that's further. 6,000 okay. K. Yeah, 6,000-something K. Because um, there was a previous record. A woman in Mexico had it, and she had done 5,000 K, I think. Um and again, that was fully self-supported. So, you know, I'm running with a rucksack and I'm doing a full-on triathlete changeover in a bike shop because they've my mum's posted my bike in and, you know, my running kit and I run in and they posted it back to my mum. It was great. Uh, and then the end was a 120-mile swim self-supported, dragging a stupid raft with all my camping kit in it and okay. stuff like that. And where was that from and to? Where was that last leg? So from Brighton to Lulworth Cove in okay. Dorset, so yep. all the way along the south coast, which is the busiest shipping lane in the world, which yep. wasn't ideal. Uh, but it was great. The military guys, when I went past Portsmouth, they were all coming on deck and saluting. It was, oh, it was amazing. I, I got so much support, but it was a tough leg. And you know, a lot of people said, oh, well, why are you doing that busiest shipping lane in the world? But when the tides change, because you can only swim with the tide, which runs back and forth, yep. um, I needed an, an available beach next to me to go to shore so yep. you swim all day whereas west coast there's two cliffs too many cliffs the east coast are those big mud flats which i didn't want to have to trek through because mm-hmm. it's you know deep mud uh, so i had to do that section and um yeah it took me 85 days to finish that um and i got my second of the three f's the world's further incredible so, and and what was the best part of that and what what I'm, I'm always interested so we always hear about the highs but yeah. i want to know about the lows um i, I mean it was it was all pr- pretty low yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be uh, honest, the whole actually, thing was to shit. To be honest, no, yeah. it, it, it was pretty shit. Pretty shit. Like, okay. The high, genuinely, is, finishing is me sitting here talking to you about it. And they yeah. call it type two fun. Type one fun is a roller coaster, fun at the time. Okay. Pretty forgettable. Type two fun is when you hate it at the time. It's the worst thing you've ever done. Is it like marriage? But two years. <laughs> no, I've just got married. It's amazing. <laughs> He's got to say it's that. Both. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but type two fun is when you hate it at the time, but okay. two years later you look back and go, you know what? That was yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah, retrospectively. Retrospect- yeah, fair enough. Hindsight fun. It's nice to reflect on all these things. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, afterwards because at the time and the hindsight is wonderful. It's again, it's like it, it's it's like you know building a business in, in in a way. We get we get asked lots of questions about business and and brand, and I think you know it's, we're we're trying to get better. I'm certainly trying to get better. At it and enjoying the steps, yeah, because it's brutally hard work, yeah. And, and actually, it's like these challenges. You know, you you can just kind of get into the grind, yeah. and then it's all about the next day, yeah, yeah. and the next day, and the day after that, yeah. and it becomes a bit of a plod. And then afterwards, you look back and you think, oh wow, I've actually achieved something. Yeah, but yeah. I guess it's probably the same with these um, these endurance events. You probably don't really feel like you're achieving much at no, the time because no. those those steps, yeah, yeah, one little step out Each of you know, four thousand miles. I'm self supported most of the time as well, yeah. so I'm just trying <clears> to find. You know, I've got the the five pistons of endurance, I call it. 
food, water, sleep, muscle management, and motivation. Yeah. You know, and I've got to make sure all those pistons are firing. The sixth yeah. one is planning, which you usually do beforehand. But on the road, you know, the five pistons. I, I'm not sure I can let you have the piston analogy now. You, you, yeah. like, <laughs> rumor has it. Rumor has it. I don't want to. Don't want to. Uh, I don't want to. Ruin my street cred. Yeah, I don't want to ruin, <laughs> ruin street cred. But rumor has it that you do have an electric vehicle now. It's technically my wife's. Um, and that's so I can justify having the twisted defender. Yeah, fair enough. So what, one assets <laughs> against the other. Okay, exactly. you need something. You need like a more of an electric reference than the piston <laughs> reference. But we'll let that one go for now. But just yeah, just never darken our doorstep with it again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So and so and you've mentioned your wife. So family on travels. So obviously you've been now. You've got little Wilder. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Your baby. Like I want to go boy. Yeah, Wilder Conway. Our little son's four months old, nearly. And, okay. Um, and he's going place with you now. So you're going to start. Well, we've just done early. our first little mini adventure together. So I decided to run from Conway Castle or Conwy Castle in North Wales to Castle Conway in Kerry on the west of Ireland. It was 260 miles. I had about 12 days to do it. I did it in 11 in the end. And the idea was spend the morning doing some adventuring. And then from sort of 11 o'clock to midday, I'd run a marathon uh, in the afternoon. Uh, and they came in support crew. It was amazing. Yeah, and 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 how and that's the first time I guess that your family been able to come and join you on some yeah, of these adventures. First time, so yeah. how is that different then doing it on your own and you've only got yourself to think about? Does it change the context where you've got others with you and clearly your wife's super supportive? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. And let's face it, Wilder yeah. hasn't got a clue where he is. He thinks everything's <laughs> amazing. So how is that different having someone with you that you're responsible for at the same time? It's it for me for this run it added just that extra element of enjoyment because yeah. I could share like because she could see what my job is and actually having the best part was actually i could you know she was carrying my water and my food and my recovery mm -hmm. and everything with me which was great so i didn't have to have a stupid rucksack on with everything in it and my tent and yeah. sleeping bag and and um you know she would just find me every few hours and Ask me, uh, ask find me you like yeah. he's over there somewhere. somewhere there. He's, he's in the woods. He's in the woods <laughs> doing yeah, doing doing something. Uh, and and bring me my recovery shakes and and give me some food and within nutrition, I think that was the, one of the, the important things. So I have within nutrition there's energy recovery and health. Mm -hmm. So I've, you've got to sort of that's the pie. Yeah, and you've okay. got to make sure you cover all of them. And it's quite easy to forget the health one. Sure. Um, yeah. When yeah. you're on these things, and then yeah. you get you're Ill. just putting in fuel, yeah, but it's actually fuel unhealthy. And recovery, yeah. Whereas you actually also need some antioxidants and vitamins and things like that. Um, so yeah, it was it was just it was great. I think what I liked about having a support crew is you can also focus much more on your physical ability mm -hmm. and how far you can actually push yourself physically. Like my, my recovery was so much quicker. Honestly, mm -hmm. it was probably a third of you know. I I was doing a marathon a day pretty much from day three, mm -hmm. whereas in the past, that's maybe taken me a week to get up to a marathon a day. Okay. Or, or probably even 10 days, really, because also I'm carrying extra weight. But I could just... put a shameless plug in here for our <laughs> products, which I'm clearly not going to do, because that would just be, that would be wrong. <laughs> but that might have something to do with it as well. Uh, 100%, no, oh, of course. Yeah. No, I mean, it genuinely was, you know, having the right recovery and, and energy when I needed it, is is the is half the battle you know sure. a lot of people they'll go and do a long bike ride or a long run and they'll get home and they go oh you know i'm just not fit enough you know i need to train more but it's purely nutrition yeah you know, purely nutrition i'm i'm 70 kgs 68 on a if i want to get to race weight and i so i can really only store 90 minutes of glycogen in my muscles yeah okay roughly so i either need stuff in my stomach digesting mm -hmm. or i need to eat 
more more regularly you know and having that availability um and having just that the, the three corners of the pie energy recovery and health just made me fly yeah, it makes, makes sense. I mean, and this is where I got interested in, in the military particularly with this because, you know, for, for, for decades, our guys just went out and fought on just pie and chips. Yeah. And that's sort of how they'd always done it. And, you know, we've got guys that, that specifically work for Grenada, they're ex-military, and they'll tell you it was just kind of a lot of it was just stodge and just calories. Yeah. Certainly no, no emphasis on, on health. Yeah. Um, and I, I worked actually fairly, fairly hard back in sort of 2010, 2011, um, with some of the, the higher echelons of the MOD, just trying to in, improve, um, you know, supplementation and nutrition for, for soldiers, um, just just for this reason, because it is amazing. You know, I've got guys, friends of mine, training just for the Royal Marines at the time, and they're just living on Mars bars, yeah, um, just for calories. And, and like you say, yeah, that just puts calories in and it's fuel. Yeah. But you know, where where where's the health? Where's, yeah, where's you the need, recovery? You know, there's, there's calories and calories. You know, you can have. 800 calories of one thing which will give you more energy and more recovery versus mm-hmm. 1200 calories of something rubbish you know processed rubbish so and and, and your and, and your knowledge about nutrition is this just being trial and error trial over and the error years over the last or 10 okay. years yeah because again sort of 30 years ago this just wasn't a thing i mean probably even, even now 10 I mean, or 15 years honest, ago it wasn't a thing you know i know i've got some olympian friends who are terrible at nutrition mm-hmm. honestly um but you know, is, that, is that laziness or is that is that just lack of knowledge? Because I'd like to think at that level, there's a lot of advice and support yeah. out there should you choose to take it. But yeah. you think just people just don't? I think they. I think if they competing at a level at which they're happy with, mm-hmm. then they don't feel they want to progress. You know, mm-hmm. and and you know if they're winning and they're winning. Um, but you know. This is your body, and I think you need to think of long term. Yes, you might be, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll get you through the next six months or the next race or something. But you know, I still think you should what what you put in your body is going to have an effect on you long term and life. You know, and I think it's important to just get the right stuff and uh, and that sort of thing. And um, do you mind me asking, how do you feel about longevity? Bearing in mind, you put your body through some brutal (laughs) stuff. Do you, do you worry about the fact that you're going to be 45, 50 no, or whatever and you no. won't be able to keep doing what you're doing? Is that a fear? No, I mean, people far more intelligent than me have famously said, I'd rather add life to my days than days to my life, you know. So it's, oh, wow. I'd, I'd rather, okay. I'd rather you know, jam-pack it now. And let's say I do get to 50 and my knees Well, go. I hope you, I hope you do. <laughs> yeah, I hope first I do of all, it, I hope yeah. you get to 50, <laughs> first of all. But I'd rather go, you know what? Jeez, that was good. You know, like I did the Gloucestershire cheese rolling in 2009. So 10 years ago, I dislocated the shoulder chasing some cheese down a hill uh, and it still hurts now. Um, but you know what? I love it. I love it. I wake up and Was it's in like, the cheese. Oh, did you catch I, the cheese? I, no, you or? never catch the cheese. Oh, you never catch it. Oh, it's oh, okay. gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, um, Where do they I all can... go? Do they actually end up somewhere random? Is someone going to well, find them one day? Well, you actually win the cheese. If you win, I came second. I was gutted. Oh. If you yeah. come, if you get to the bottom first, you win the cheese, which they go and fish out of bush somewhere. Um, uh, that was the bush where you lived, wasn't yeah, it? Probably, yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but you know, now this injury, yes, you know, it's going to hurt me later in life, but it's got a story, and you know, it's got it's it's given me this one stupid thing of rolling down a hill, just fueled my imagination to go and do something else, and and you know, add add life to my days, and then I think. 
you know, having a little sore shoulder now. I'm going to regret this when I'm 60. Going, I oh, should without never have done that. it. Yeah, without, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but right I, now... I, I won't be youth, wheeling you around, with, with so that'd be youthful, fine. Youthful energy, I'm going to say, it's just totally worth it. <laughs> okay. And if you could take anyone on your travels with you, other than Wilder, yeah. Shackleton, and um, Mrs. Conway, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mrs. Conway uh, who, would it, who would you take and why? I think I, for, for the sheer crack... Uh, a guy called Martin Strell. So he famously swam the Amazon River. Phenomenal. Probably one of the craziest open water swimmers uh, ever. Um, honestly, he, so they had the support boat and he had some on one side of it. And when the piranhas came, they had a bucket of blood, which they'd throw on the other side of the support boat so that the piranhas would go to the blood. Um, and he was fa- he was drinking like two bottles of wine every day, swimming down this river. So would you take be... take him so that if piranhas came, they could go for him first? <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. But okay. he just he's just this wonderfully crazy um, Eastern European guy. I think he's from Slovakia. Uh, who, yeah, I just would love to do something with. And it, and that sounds like he's someone who's probably really inspired you. Is, is there anyone else that inspired you to get to where you are today or, again, still continues to inspire you to do what you do? I think anyone who's gone for these big records, you know, like Mimi Anderson, who's got the length of Britain running record, which is 76 miles a day, and she did it in, in 12 days, it's the female record. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, Mark Beaumont, who cycled around the world yeah. in, in 80 days, you know, even though he had a full support crew, just those physical endeavours are just phenomenal. Uh uh, the late great Mike Hall, a friend of mine who had the round the world bike record uh, unsupported, um, you know any of these people who've just gone off and decided to do the ultra endurance way of life mm-hmm. because it's still not professional. You know the mm-hmm. ultra endurance world, the world that I'm in, is still pretty underground. You know, yeah, it's but not. Why like, do you think that is? Um, I think it's the type of people who want to do it actively don't want it to become mainstream, so they keep it underground. Okay. You know? These big races across America, so the Across America self-supported race, the Trans Am, has no real, like, finish ceremony. It's just a a statue, and people come in at two in the morning on their own, touch a statue, and go, well, I've won, and that's it. And then they go and check into a motel and go to sleep. There's no fanfare. There's no prize money. There's no... Technically, they're actually not races. A lot of these big events technically aren't races because from an insurance point of view, Mm -hmm. so they consider them a flash mob. So, really? Yeah. So to get away, to get around this whole idea that if it's a race, you've got to have insurance and you've got to, in Fair America enough, especially, yeah. they just say, oh, we're doing a flash mob in this square at this time. And if you want to cycle to this point and we'll see who's the fastest, <laughs> uh, it becomes an unofficial race, you know. Um, okay. So and then what would be next in terms of, um, you know, you've, you've, you've mentioned some of this other round the world stuff, you know, is there something that you'd like to do that you don't think you'll ever be able to do because it can't be done? Or is there is there something now that's kind of brewing away that you can tell us about that you think might be might be one to keep an eye on? So there's I'm doing a huge challenge next year. Real it's under wraps at the moment. Okay. Um, it's be the longest thing I've ever done. It'll take me eight months to okay. complete. Um, so that's that's my focus at the moment. On um, your own or family in tow? On my own. Um, they'll come and find me hopefully throughout the time uh, on the way. Um, certainly beginning, middle and end. Um, but some of the countries are 
a, a bit dodgy. So there, we don't know. Whether well, it's I, safe I like enough. the sound of this. Yeah, we don't know. I tell what I'm thinking, uh, and, and I don't know exactly where you're <laughs> going to be going, but I like the sound of potentially. So if if you get your family to to, to drop in and, and yeah. come and visit you for bits, I'm wondering if we can get some of the team grenade guys. Obviously, not me. Yeah. Get some team oh. grenade guys to probably come in and and sort of insert themselves. <laughs> no pun yeah. intended. In certain cells, various points of your route, just yeah, yeah. So they're really out of the comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. 100%. No, I mean, we're wanting people, if you can, it, you know, it's pretty remote, the place, some the places I'll be, but, you know, I'm, I'm wanting people to come to come and join me. Um, so, yeah, that's that's June, 20th of June next year is okay. when I depart. So this comes up on our podcast, and, and obviously with, with Paul the Pin, it's all brand business and banter and a bit of bollocks as well. This probably falls into the bollocks category. Um, but would you rather fight a duck-sized horse or 100... No, that's not right. Would you rather fight, sorry, a horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? <laughs> 100... Oh, wow. Uh, horse... So basically, yeah. a, giant, a, giant a giant duck. Loads of tiny or horses. Or 100 tiny horses. Um, Remember, you still got to think of an answer to the last yeah, question as no, well. No, I reckon... Uh, uh, a giant duck, yeah. Just the yeah, we, we, that, the one that's, that's the general the consensus yeah, that we tend to go with. I think so. Yeah, yeah. just a hundred tiny horses, scary yeah, like just, little velociraptors. Yeah, no. Okay, right. So, <laughs> uh, and and then the previous question. So, I say Shackleton is my buddy. You know, we yeah. uh, we are training buddies and everything, but he's Shackleton. In, by the way, Sean's dog. If anyone doesn't dog. know, yeah. it's yeah. yeah. Shackleton's my my Lakeland Terrier. Uh, he is a terrible travel companion. Uh, He'll be mortified if he hears you say that. You no, I know, but no, he knows it. Shackleton, you are a terrible travel companion. He is, of all the terriers, the Lakeland Terrier is, I I think, I'm almost certain, has the biggest work drive. And they are so easy distracted, honestly. Literally, like we're, we're going for a nice run and the wind will pick up and a leaf will blow away somewhere and that's it, gone <laughs> after a leaf. Uh, that sounds like <laughs> me, to be honest. I, um, I get very distracted. That's why we yeah. get nothing done at well, work. Actually, the way, yeah. So my character is a mixture of a terrier and a monkey and and I quite like it. Because, so in my head, I'm a monkey and I'm, you know, I'm trying this and I'm trying that and yeah, that's horrible and that works and this doesn't work. And then once I get something that I want, then I'm a terrier <laughs> and then I go for it. So I think that's why I like Shackleton as a as a pet, but I, I think I would have to, I'd have to leave him. Also, he's so prone to injury. He's so hyper. More than you, honestly. Like, so he's two years old. He's already on his third joint repla- uh, operation. So he did. He's right- not running behind on any of these challenges. You're not sort of. You know, it's not like you know, kind of animal yeah, abuse. Animal actually making him do stuff no, as well. This is just on like our ten minute walk around the block in, in the lakes. Honestly, so he dislocated his his right leg. His left leg now is on his back hip because um, he just jumps on rocks and falls over. And that, that, that. That's that's probably yeah. the right answer. Anyway, that, I'll the, take that's, my wife that's and the, Yeah, that's, that, that's the, the only one you really could <laughs> yeah. have gone with there. But I like the fact it took you 10 minutes to actually come to that conclusion. Um, so is there anything that you um, have learned now with doing all this ultra adventuring, let's call it? Is there anything you've learned now that you wish you'd known Previously? Yeah, what would I have told my 20-year-old self? Um, I wish I hadn't in my 20s wasted it away my physical abilities, you know, because your 20s are such an amazing part mm-hmm. of your life, you know. And and it's annoying that humans are designed this way where you, you in some things, you peak in your mid-20s and then you've got another 
70 it's all downhill years from there of decline. Yeah. Yeah. And your mind gets stronger, of course, but it's a weird how your mind go, keeps going potentially. Um, Mine never yeah, did, yeah. to be honest. Um, and I just wish I'd sort of told myself to make the most of my 20s physically uh, and push myself a little bit more and spend more time outside. And, you know, I think we all spend too much time inside. I mm -hmm. think if you're feeling a bit miserable, eat better, mm -hmm. get fitter and spend more time out in natural lighting. You know, if you just do those three things, mm -hmm. if you choose a physical goal, you will naturally eat healthier, you'll naturally get fitter and you will spend more time outside. And I think I wish I'd done that in my 20s instead of just going out to do something purely for a paycheck. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is just chase, chase the dreams. And they don't all have to be sort of quitting your job and, you know, yeah, going yeah, around yeah, the world, yeah, yeah. you know. You should try and divide your life, and everyone will give me stick for this online because this is impractical, it never works. But you should try and divide your life into eight hours work, eight hours sleep, eight hours play. Mm -hmm. And that's 24 hours. Yes, of course, you need to brush your teeth and do the cooking and the laundry and all these things, which eat into playtime mm -hmm. and travel to work. Commuting is a big one. Um, but, you know, you should try and have that sort of balance. And I think, you know, and have these goals within it, you know, whether it's learning a musical instrument or a physical challenge, whatever's, it, you know, something that puts you out of your comfort zone. Um, I think everyone, I think it should be sort of, instead of sort of having to go to the army, I think you should have to have a physical goal in life, you know, and someone should come around and check, have you signed up for your marathon this year? <laughs> and, 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 you know, holding yourself accountable um, for, for doing things. And, and we, we get asked this a lot, actually, and this is one of the most common questions we get asked on the show is people saying, well, I've got this idea and I really want to do something, but... I, um, you know, I can't decide and the timing's not right. And they start coming up with all these excuses yeah. as to why you shouldn't do something. Yeah. And you can always find excuses not to do something. And it only gets harder to do it the longer you leave it. It does. It's yeah. it's like people are just looking for a reason to fail. People right. are scared of failure. Yeah. You know, we talk about that a lot. And I think then rather than just thinking, actually, do you know what? And they think about all the things that might go wrong. And I think if I thought about some of your global travels and all the stuff that could go wrong, I mean, you wouldn't leave your front door, oh, you would you? Yeah, you just exactly. wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. So, uh, you know, I really admire the, the brave of actually thinking, do you know what? Just do it and, and, and I'll deal with stuff as it, as it comes in. Um, and I certainly sort of, you know, probably living for the moment, which you're the epitome of, yeah. of, of definitely, I think, uh, living for the moment. But I think, you know, a lot of uh, what you're saying about this um, adventuring and travel and making the most of your life, you can really apply, uh, in, you know, in, in, in business in terms of just you've really got to, you know, have a plan with what you want to do. It's not going to necessarily work out that yeah. way. So you have to improvise and, and, and learn as you go. Um, and I'm a huge fan of learning. I never really, I didn't learn much at school. I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't learn the type of things I wanted to learn. But since I actually dropped out of school, I've spent my whole life learning. And it sounds like you have as well. Oh, in yeah, you've, just, you've, you've learned all this stuff just yeah. by meeting these amazing people, going different places, yeah. trying different things, yeah, exposing yourself to real think, areas of yeah. where there's potential failure, um, and, and just, you know, you become a much stronger, better person for it. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I've sort of s switched between swimming, cycling and running. And because mm -hmm. I, you know, when I thought I sort of got as much as I wanted to get out of cycling at that time, I thought, well, I'm going to try something else and see how that works. And then I've, I've gone back to cycling and I've done a bit of swimming. It's the one thing I haven't really sort of gone back to properly, properly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Is there a reason for that? Um, I'm, I think I'm just looking Is, for... Is the beard creating too much drag? <laughs> No, yeah, it is actually. But no, the main reason is is I've, there's one swim I've been trying to get off the ground for like three years, which is to swim the length of the Dead Sea because I just like the title, Shaun of the Dead Sea. 
Oh, very good. I see you did that. But, you uh, did that. No, genuinely, good. I've been speaking to the Jordanian government and the Jordanian tourism board, and they're just the, the top and the bottom bits are politically a bit okay. fragile. And how far um, is that? It's not very far. I think it's about 50 miles, but I'd do it self-supported. And is it like swimming through treacle? Yeah. Is it like, okay. You've got to cover your, your face up. You've got to wear a full face mask. And be amazing for your skin, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, probably. It or would terrible. come back 10 years. Know, terrible. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, come back yeah, really, yeah. really dry <laughs> and wrinkly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm dry and wrinkly anyway, so I, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely can't do it. So I've got that swim in, in the back of my head, which I've been trying to get off the ground. So I think that's why I haven't looked at other swims, because I'm so dead set on this, this swim. Mm -hmm. um, best and worst place you've been around the world, and, and why? Oh, best and worst. You're to not allowed to say Stratford upon Avon, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I lived in Worcester for ages, so I, I like oh, the Midlands. Worcester's pretty bad. Yeah, I like the Midlands. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, Tibet, I, I felt was amazing because it's just so different from anywhere else I travelled in Tibet. Most parts of the world, you know, you can get by with hello and, you know, hi and things, whereas in Tibet they just didn't understand even what hi means. You know, it was great just to be... You know, I, was, I was there 15 years ago and it was just so out, outside of what I've been used to in my travels up till then. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Worst part, um, I think that's a difficult one. I think the worst experience I've had in one of my, my adventures was probably having to cycle on Russian roads. So the being in Russia was amazing. The people were so friendly. They were really keen to learn English with someone. But having to cycle on Russian roads was just a whole... And I've cycled across India. Is the traffic horrific? I've, I've been it's, once to Moscow and... It's, yeah, it's I, just... I, there's just this overall feeling that a cyclist should not be on the road. And well, if you're on that, the road, it's true. just that's, your that's, risk. That's it's the case true. with any country in yeah, the world. That's yeah. actually true. Cyclists shouldn't be on the road. Um, but more, more so potentially in Russia, but for danger reasons. Yeah, and it's just, you know, the motorways are small, you know, so you, you're cycling in the dirt and you've got, I mean, I've had bits of tassels off wing mirrors hitting me on the back of the head, you know, when trucks come too close. And Yeah, that was deliberate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it probably was, you know, and um, which is a shame because, you know, when you meet the, the truck drivers in the, in the, in the, service stations they're so friendly and they're like oh it's just like just almost like it's i didn't two mean to kill you i imagine it would go kind of like kind that of it, you know um yeah so that was pretty that was and that was 10 days of, of i, I only went to russia experience. once uh, years ago uh, for about three days and the traffic was that bad i almost had to set off to return back to the airport the minute i landed to get there pretty much because <laughs> it was like it was yeah, oh, it was chaotic. like a, a, a week's yeah. worth of traffic, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it would have been quicker <laughs> to walk. Um, I mean, and are you clearly you, you absolutely um, you, you love this? Are you still enjoying it? And now the fact, obviously, you're getting bigger on social media, and social media is um, huge, and you can't do it without endorsements and sponsorships, and, uh, and and kind of taking your audience with you. Does that add an extra dimension of pressure for you? Is that no pressure at all. No, okay. not the social media side. I feel a, a moral obligation to share my journey on social media okay. because had I had Instagram as a teenager, as a teenage photographer, wanting to be this National Geographic photographer, wanting to be this 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 global travel photographer, I probably would have been inspired by Insta mm -hmm. by these other photographers that I yeah. would have followed and probably followed in that journey. And it's my biggest regret not you know, falling out of love with photography, you know, because I really loved it. Honestly, I genuinely... But you do some great picture, pictures on your on your Instagram. I still I love it now, but, you know, loving it and then loving it 
and then having to do it for work is, yeah. can be two different things, especially in the creative industry. In the creative industry, that's a big difference. You know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the art versus the commercial really has to pay in, for in itself. Creative. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you class what you do as work? Because I certainly don't. No, no, no. Of course I got not. I got no, that impression. No, the, the the concept of work. No, but any sports person, I fall into just any. I guess a sports person. You know. Mm -hmm. I happen to live in a phenomenal part of the country where just my life is outdoors and I, yeah. living in the Lake District is phenomenal. So, no, of course, it's not a job. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, there's no real aspects of my everyday sort of paying the rent that I consider work because I actually quite enjoy it. I enjoy going to schools and giving talks. I enjoy going, talking to Microsoft and, uh, and, and you know, giving people some inspiration. I enjoy writing the books. You know, I love mm -hmm. writing my books and, uh, I've got I've written six and I've got another four which I'm currently writing. You know, this is my monkey side. I'll do a bit of this oh, wow. one. I'll okay. do a bit of that one. Um, when do you find time to do that? I mean, do you, do you obviously do you do any of that, or do you when you you're out running and stuff? Are you thinking of this stuff all the time? Yeah. You're getting back, you're jotting it down, basically. I have a voice recorder on my phone, so any okay. any things I have, I I, I write it down. Um, but you know, you've you've got when you training. You know, I, I we don't watch TV at home. Um, so we have the evenings free, really. We get up early because we've got a four-month-old son and the dog needs a, needs a walk. So actually, you can fit a lot in your day yeah. if you choose to do some of that stuff. Like for me, you know, I, I said eight hours work, eight hours sleep, eight hours play. But for me, the work and the play kind of <laughs> mingle together quite nicely. Yeah, sure. So I can do my writing in the evening uh, instead of watching the telly or, or in the morning early, you know, and that sort of thing. And um, so... Yeah, it's 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 just great, you know. I'm I keep pinching myself, going, God, when is it going to end? But actually, I've still got physically, I've still got probably another ten years to compete mm -hmm. in in the level I like to compete in. Um, certainly in running, mm -hmm. cycling, that that power meter is going down. Um, I've but to be it's honest, like it's I like know. employing younger people. <laughs> you just you, I'm, I'm now would employ people just older than me because yeah, we yeah. employ younger people. <laughs> yeah. They've all got lots more energy. It's yeah, it's quite, so, quite um, depressing. Yeah, no, I, I've got another ten years, I reckon, and uh, to compete in the stuff I want to do, um, and then who knows, find something else. And and do you, would you have any advice for people who so not you know are going to go and give up the job and sort of do what you do, but just is there any advice you'd give to people other than your you know your your eight eight eight. If people say wants to go out and start a business or are just fed up with what they're doing or they're just basically they're just not getting the most out of life. And, you know, with a life athlete, it's all about just getting the most out of life, yep. whatever it may be. Yep. Usually, you know, for us, there's a training and health element to it, yep. whatever the training is. But have you got any advice for people that you just are just not getting the most out of life, you know, and, and for them to become a life athlete? What would you say? I think I, I follow the, the Hemingway philosophy where he famously would only write 300 to 500 words a day. And you usually do that in the morning for a few hours. Uh, and then the rest of the day, he would do other stuff, whatever it was. Um, so you can actually, like in photography, I you just start small, you know, you don't, because I think what people, a lot of think, and they see people like me go, oh, he just quit his business and... Mm went off and you know they don't really realize that for five years I lived with my mum and then I lived yeah. on a boat on the River Severn um, for three years uh, and you know so I did all that sacrifice but I chipped away at it you know you have your goal you have the vision and you start small you don't have to like quit at all because you may not be able to you know you may yeah. have a family you may we've as much as you know we like to I like to sort of poo-poo the money side of life and you shouldn't do things for money we've got to eat yeah you've got to yeah yeah. You've got to feed your family. You've got to take that responsibility, which yeah. is super important. But I think you can you can start doing it now, even just on the sideline. You know, whether it's 
buying the website or you know if, if you're just penning it down or you know writing drawing I, i've got a big blackboard i love blackboards at home i just got all my chalk is everywhere and you know so just just start now i think i think that would be my biggest thing because i find the later you leave it the harder it gets in life yeah. and, and you've everything. got less chance to recover yeah. as well so yeah taking yeah. a risk in your 20s is different than taking 100%. a risk in your 50s of course. uh so no, no I, I, I completely get that so right we're, we're getting a bit tight on time but i think it's time for the question so it's <laughs> it's not it's not really a very sensible one again to us apologize for this but um so would you rather be fluent in all languages but never be able to travel or travel anywhere for a year but never be able to learn a single word in a different language oh which yeah. is basically me yeah that one yeah, yeah. Oh, that, oh, yeah. I like I like pointing at things, and you know, it gets quite animated. And I've just yeah. been to Japan as well, like two weeks ago, and it was great. You know, because you don't understand anything uh, because we're British. I think if we just speak slower, yeah, and louder, yeah. everyone understands exactly what we mean, or at least we think they <laughs> yeah. do when we travel anyway. I, know, I always Nepal, try. I always try and say something in you know in another language, even if I'm just sort of you know just guessing it really because at least they, they know you're trying you know you may say the wrong thing or you may even say it in a different language by mistake you know <laughs> um but yeah i always try and then it kind of warms you warms you to them um but no definitely travel anywhere and not not learn it although it would it would be kind of cool i do speak three languages though but two of them are so pointless i speak zulu and afrikaans which but, yeah they pretty, are, they point, are, they pretty are, pointless are, in the lake district yeah they are, they are, yeah yeah it's, it doesn't yeah it doesn't it's uh yeah it doesn't work in the lake district at all does it really but sean you're an absolute inspiration honestly so thanks so much for coming and and and, and sharing some of the story uh, it's been phenomenal all the best for um the the future with you with your travels hopefully we can be part of it and, and help you along with the way of grenade and we can share it to our audience and uh, it's been an absolute inspiration. So thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, guys. That was Pull the Pin with me, Alan Barrett and Sean Conway. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button. There's plenty more where that came from. Guaranteed brand, business, banter, maybe a little bit of bollocks thrown in.